right, guys. It's Ashley and David here again to talk about some infectious disease topics. Hopefully you enjoy hearing us talk because we're back. It sounds like from our survey results that you guys do because when asked if you want more A&D do ID, overwhelmingly yes. There were a couple trying to find the right word for it. I mean, they're probably not going to pass their boards, yeah, right? Yeah, that didn't want to hear more from us. So of course. If, I mean, if I have anything to do with it. Well, we don't. That's fine. If you don't like listening to us, don't listen to us. Turn it off because the next 10, 15 minutes is just us. Conveniently, Ashley just did her grand rounds in emergency medicine on infectious rashes. So we thought it would be appropriate for us to talk about a little potpourri of infectious rashes. So I hope you guys are excited about that. Here we go. The thing is, I actually hate rashes, which is why I did my grand rounds on it because I thought probably I should learn this stuff. Because rashes either kill you or they're annoying and most of them get better. So that's not exactly enough for the board. So we're going to talk a little bit better. Should we start with rashes that can kill you? Ooh, that's a great idea. Here I have one. This kiddo has eczema. He's always had eczema. It's no big deal. But today he's coming in with a little bit worse eczema just on one little spot. He's got little vesicles all over it. That Do you know what it good. is? No, Do you know what it is? No. Okay. So this is called eczema herpeticum. Oh. And it's an HSV super infection of eczema. And it actually is deadly. It actually has a fairly high mortality rate when not treated. Do you know what the treatment is? Uh, acyclovir. That is true. But do you know which form? Ooh, valley cyclovir. Well, that could be true. Um, I kind of was a trick question. I didn't really say. It was a guess what I'm thinking question, you know. So oral acyclovir can be used if they're not very sick. So if they... IV. Yeah, well, yes. that's right, yeah. So oral is fine if they're not sick, if they just have a few lesions. But if they're sick, they need IV acyclovir. And they also probably need other things. So if they're really sick, they need vancozocin acyclovir to cover for other infections that can cause sickness in a kid, right? So vesicles on eczema, eczema Bad. herpeticum. Correct. Okay. Got what it? else can kill you? Let's talk about my favorite, necrotizing fasciitis. Ooh. I love necrotizing fasciitis it's because gross. it is really gross. But also I love it because you have to think of it, right? And if you don't think of it, do you know what happens? You can't diagnose it. Right. And, and you some... die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you ask you which ones kill you. That's the one that kills you. Did you die? Did you die? If you know what that is from, then you're my friend. So here's the thing about neck fasci. It is, I think we all know about it, but we don't always think about it. There are a couple forms. The first form is polymicrobial. It's the most common form. Lots of different bugs causing it. And it's an infection of the superficial fascia. So not necessarily the skin. It's the fascia right under the skin. Fasciitis. Yes, exactly. That's what that means. The second most common is monomicrobial. Do you know what the most common bug is if it's going to be monomicrobial? I'm going to have to go with staph. You're wrong. I know. It's kind of a trick question. So it's group A strep. Oh, yes. And do you know what? thing puts you at risk for group A strep neck fash? Chicken pox. Oh. Which will be on our uh, cootie shots this, this uh, week, varicella. So varicella does put you at increased risk of group A strep neck fash, which is a fun little fact. And then there is the vibrio, which is like the gas gangrene. Oh, yes. Correction. I said vibrio, but I meant clostridium. The third type of necrotizing fasciitis is clostridium. Now, everyone learns that you have subcutaneous gas, crepitus, 
these are hard signs, bulla, necrotic lesions on the, on the skin. But those are really only present about 15% of the time. So not that great. And that's because most bacteria don't, aren't gas producers. Like group A strep, not a gas producer. So not going to get crepitus. So what else? I remembered something about clindamycin. Yeah. Oh, good thing. We do need to treat it. So what is the treatment of neck fash? Well, we have to cover for our bad microbes plus clindamycin. The actual answer is surgery, but <laughs> true. I think most of us who have worked anywhere know surgery is always like, it's not neck fash, right? So in the meantime, while you're convincing them it's neck fash, you're right. You need to add clinda. So vancozosin and clinda, because clinda has some anti-toxin effects. So it's helpful and it can uh, help with any toxins that either strep or staph are causing for your neck fash. And the most important physical finding in neck fash is actually pain out of proportion. And so often the pain of their rash or whatever goes way outside the skin margin. So maybe they're tender all the way to their hip, but they only see cellulitis of, you know, the ankle. That would be a pretty big red flag for you. Mm. All right. I love neck fash. We'll stop talking about it, but I could talk about it for some more. All right, so since we talked about, like, the deadly rash with some cellulitis, why don't we just talk about basic cellulitis? You mean the non, like, necrotizing type? Yes. Okay. So normal cellulitis is just this, is just an infection of the soft tissue. There is something called erysipelas. Do you know what that uh, is? Yes, that, that has something with strep, too. Yeah, well, so strep is the most common cause of erysipelas. Uh, staph tends to be a little bit more common for cellulitis, but they both can cause both. And you can't really, really clinically determine the difference. In in theory, uh, erysipelas is more superficial than cellulitis. But you treat it the exact same, which is you cover staph and strep. So like outpatient, you know, we do a lot of Bactrim, Keflex. You can do Clinda. I mean, there are a lot of kind of ways to do this depending on your region. But in general, on a test, you want to find the antibiotic that's going to cover staph and strep and MRSA should be covered if they have a risk factors for that perfect all right so those are some big ones that we've covered what what other infectious rashes should should we be thinking about so i think most of pediatricians have seen impetigo Ooh, the honey colored crust it's so gross right like it is it's kind of disgusting sounding you guys are welcome for all these just like buzzwords that we're just dropping on you right now all over they're all over well, impetigo is this honey-crusted thing. It's pretty common in kids. Like I said, I think most people have seen it. It is normally staph aureus. I feel like there's a but. But it's sometimes strep. Of course. So really, they're all kind of staph and strep. I mean, but mostly, like the most common is staph. And then staph also does this other one that's kind of interesting, more common in little babies. It's called mm, a, um, yes. Can you get it? The staff scalded skin. Yeah, it's oh. so it sounds awful, right? Like it sounds like you like put a baby in like bad. boiling water. Yeah, which it kind of is what you did. Like that's what it looks like. So these ones have that um, Nikolsky sign. You know uh, this yes. fancy word Buzzword. where they yeah where they like touch it and then some of it like some of their skin kind of sloughs off. It's gross. Uh. Cover them for staff. They're probably going to be sick, so obviously cover them um, for other infections just because that's the right thing to do but in general does it have a high mortality rate it's confirmed not high mortality they can get super infections though because their skin is all sloughing off like a burn correct exactly so you treat it like a burn for the most part and these kids actually end up in the burn unit a lot of times 
And this um, is a super toxin mediated from from Staph aureus. Is that correct? Correct. So, so the, the big thing to differentiate, and we're not going to really get into SJS and TEN on this one, but you want to look for oral lesions because if in staph scalded skin, you don't expect to see oral lesions. If you see oral lesions, then you start thinking about SJS. But again, we're not going to talk about that in this episode. No, we never talked. We didn't talk about it. Pretend you didn't hear that. No. Okay. I'm going to talk about my least favorite thing ever. It's actually, whenever I see it pop up on the board in the ED, I turn and run. I know, but it's so easy. It it's is. So but easy, it's so easy, but gross. it's so gross. It's called scabies. Ugh. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that everyone is walking around with scabies. It's so gross. But this is an extremely puritic rash. And you get these linear lesions, linear lesions in the um, volar aspects of the wrists, axilla, and groin. And that is your linear lesions should clue you into scabies. And it's super itchy. And the treatment of choice is? the That's that topical permethrin. Is that right? That's correct. Excellent. I mean, you have to do it. You're like douse them You in douse it, right? them in it, basically, from neck down. And then you repeat it in two weeks. Ugh. Ugh. So gross. Wash all your sheets. Wash all your bedding. Yeah, it's so disgusting. Keep that in mind if you get a board question about a kid that's itching. You may see some household contact stuff as well. And then those linear lesions. Because that's actually... The scabies burrowing under the skin Ugh. and leaving their baby scabies. Oh, gross. Speaking of babies, did you know that in babies, scabies can actually present on the palms and soles? I know now. I know. Very interesting. Since we're on the topic of disgusting things and things we don't like taking care of, why don't we talk about lice? I don't want to. I don't want to do it. All right, fine. We don't have to do it. Okay, fine. I think the boards actually want us to know some weird things about lice. Like the life cycle. I don't know the life cycle of lice, but I looked it up for our listeners. You're okay? welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. It's disgusting. Do you know they can live for 36 hours after they've eaten your blood? That is horrifying. It's so nasty, right? And then they can lay eggs on hair shafts that will hatch 10 days later. So, yeah, you got rid of the lice, but guess what? All the eggs are sitting around. Ugh. I'm going to shave my kid. If he ever brings home lice, he's getting shaved. Parker, you're going to listen to this in a few years. And once he's sitting around with his shaved head, he's going to be like, what happened? <laughs> but instead of shaving their head, there is another treatment. It's called permethrin. It's the same, actually, as scabies. It's just a lower concentration. So permethrin is 1%. Scabies, or I'm sorry, lice is 1%. Scabies is 10%. Oh, good to know. But same treatment. Same treatment. Yep. Different true. nastiness, same treatment. Uh-huh. Now, there is the other thing we should talk about, which is pubic lice for our adolescents which oh. is even grosser i mean like we're just going down the hill of grossness here we are actually so our adolescents could come in with pubic lice it's or disgusting crabs, if you will yeah that's it's gross but if they get it basically know that it can occur in other locations like not just your pubicness basically area. any hairy Hair. area yeah so it's disgusting um, but you, so you should definitely treat it quickly and make sure you treat content, their sexual contacts. Uh. Yeah. Now, if a little kid comes in with pubic lice, it is almost always sexual abuse. So make sure you think about that in practice and on the boards. That's reasonable. And pr pretty much you're going to get the same itchiness. Um, you want to look behind their ears 
and on their neckline you'll get some excoriations that can clue you into the lice you look at the hair shafts and you see the little white knits on there um and then sometimes you can see live lice as well that's why in schools when they take that piece of white paper and put it at the neckline and then comb the hair through and you get the little eggs dropping off on it that's kind of their litmus test for lice so know how know how to recognize it know how to treat it and know the difference between head lice and pube lice aka crabs can we be done we're done all right until next time Thank you.